Man, thank you so much, Brother Cody and our praise team for leading us this morning in worship. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, go ahead and open them up to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Allison was telling me about her struggles with her vision at the hospital yesterday, her eyesight. After a long day, hard day, she's on 12-hour days and... Um, turned into 15-hour days when you count drive time and time she has to go in early and time she has to stay in late. And her eyes were tired and she saw a patient coming down the hallway. She immediately was became, became alarmed and perceiving that the patient had forgotten to put on clothing. But as she made her way closer to the patient, she realized the patient was indeed fully clothed, but was wearing a shade of yellow that made them look naked uh, to Allison's compromised vision. Uh, Eyesight is very important. And for those of us who know that uh, eyesight is not what it used to be, we value it very much and we try to make sure that we can uh, maintain it. We need clear vision to function properly and to relate to the world around us, the physical world around us. Similarly, we have spiritual eyes that need to see clearly so that we can live for Christ in the dark world around us. So here's the biblical truth today. And I I could basically could have titled this anything. This, this passage and this text. But I believe that what really epitomizes this church more than anything of the first century is that they had a clear vision. And so here, here's the truth. When you focus your eyes, your spiritual eyes, on Jesus, you will see your world clearly. Now, It's when we take our eyes off of Jesus that we lose sight of reality. It's when we take our eyes off of Jesus that we neglect our purpose and we begin to become discouraged and we begin to be suspicious of those around us. We become malcontent, easily agitated, hostile, fragile, and bitter when we take our eyes off of Jesus. If we keep our eyes on Jesus, we will individually be the Christian that God wants us to be, and we will collectively be the church that God has called us to be. This is exactly the picture that we see of this first century church. Now, the result is their charity and their usefulness for the kingdom of God. But the reason is they kept their focus on Jesus. And that's what I want us to do in 2023. Would you stand with me? Would you... Read with me from Acts chapter 4. Read, follow along in your copy of God's Word. Verse 32 says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, The apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. 
For as many as were owners of land or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Let's pray together. Father, we are so thankful for your word today, and we pray, dear Lord, that you would help us be the church that you want us to be by keeping our eyes focused on you. Lord, I know that there are so many distractions and so many other things, Lord, that want to take our attention away from you. But Lord, help us to train our vision. Help us to focus daily by going to you in prayer and studying your word and spending time with you and serving you with our hands and going for you with our feet. Lord, I pray that you would bless your church in a mighty way in 2023. Father, I pray that you would give us a vision to be the people that you would want us to be. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Be seated. I want to share with you today five results of having clear vision as a church that we can see here that is portrayed by Luke's description of this first century church. Now, this isn't the this isn't the totality of all of the summary statements that Luke shares with us, because there's many summary statements that Luke hits in the book of Acts, and he describes the church and how it was growing and how the Lord was adding to their number daily and how they were devoting themselves to certain things. But this is one of those moments in the book of Acts where Luke pauses for just a moment to tell us how the church is doing and what's going on with the church. And I think that's important for us to do on a regular basis as a church, to pause and see how are we doing and then what should we be doing and what's going to, what is it going to take to get us there? I think it's important for us to do that. And so that's what we'll be doing a little bit today. But I want us to look at these five characteristics uh, that are a result of this church having a clear vision. This is the prototype. This is the first church. And so if we're to be like any other church that ever existed, shouldn't we be like the first church? Amen? Let's be like them. Number one, a clear vision promotes unity. A clear vision promotes unity. If we look again at verse 32, now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. What does that what does that describe for us? Well, that describes the unity of the church. How they were all together. And notice that Luke begins by saying the full number. At this point, it's difficult for Luke to tell us how many people were in the church because he's already shown us how in one day 3000 people joined the church and were saved, not just joined the church, but they were saved and were baptized, and then they became a part of the church. And then later on, uh, the number grew to 5,000, and after that, Luke just basically stopped counting. But there was a number, and God knew the number. God knew every individual in the church in Jerusalem. He knew them by name. He knew the cares and worries on their heart. He knew the numbers of hairs on their head. He knew everything about them. He loved them dearly and they were precious to him. And Luke wants us to understand that numbers are important to God. 
In fact, in the Old Testament, there's a whole book named Numbers. If you go look at the book, it's all about all of the people of God and how God was keeping track of every single one of them, even though they were in the desert. And even though they were going to be in the desert for 40 years, God was still saying they're important to me and they're precious to me. And so numbers are important. So I want us to look at some numbers just for a little bit, okay? Just for a few uh, minutes here with with you. Numbers of our church. Uh, This is church by the numbers. So the first little thing I want us to look at is children's ministry. Praise Kids. The average attendance in Praise Kids is about 12 children. That's Wednesday night, by the way. Children's church average, average attendance, that's today. What's going on right now over there is about 15. They've had as many as 26 or something over there in 2022. In VBS 2022, we had 120 enrolled from kindergarten through adult workers. That was a fun time. It was busy, but it was wonderful. Kids camp, 53, 53 children and volunteers went to Camp Baldwin for kids camp this year. Upward, we have 50 children enrolled uh, in 2022 with six teams. I don't know what the number is this year, what this season will be like, but I'll tell you what, if you want to see God moving, go to Upward on Saturday morning, and you will see families from our community coming in, and you'll see uh, ministry happening, and you'll see children's, children being blessed. It'll be a wonderful time. The PLC, our Preschool Learning Center, 74 children were enrolled uh, altogether in 2022, and there were nearly 60 families reached through that ministry. Okay, Children's ministry. But now youth ministry. Uh, Drew reported to me that we have about 15 to 20 on Wednesday nights. Youth camp in 2022, we had 15 go, 15 youth go to camp. And this year, already we have... 17 signed up to go to youth camp. And listen, let me tell you about it. Amen. You can, you can give God a hand for that. That's, that's good. Praise God for that. And listen, youth camp is one of the most important times in the spiritual lives of these young people. That I mean, they're disconnected from the world around them. And they can focus 100% on the message that's being preached. And I'll tell you what will be preached at this youth camp. And it's the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. It's uncompromising. They're going to preach the gospel to these young people. And so this is a critical time. And, and statistics show that if young people, people that are below 18, if they don't come to know Christ before they're 18 years of age, statistically speaking, most of them never will. So it's critical. You need to pray for our youth ministry and our children's ministry. What about our Christian social ministry, our CSM? The food pantry uh, averages about 468 clients a month. 1,400 meals provided per month through those clients, uh, to those clients. Backpack ministry, uh, the uh, backpack ministry where numerous meals, I don't even know have a number on that, were provided to Sherwood Elementary indigent students and families over the weekends, they have those hard weekends where they're not having meals at school. The clothing room, uh, we had 14 and nine clients, uh, 1,409 clients that were helped in 2022. You think about that. 1,409 people got clothing through our clothing ministry in 2022. Praise God for that. 
This is uh, what Miss Ellen said to me, just to her comment. She said, our prayer warriors take blood pressure and encourage better monitoring, distribute toiletries and pray for the hurt and struggling, willing to share with us. Uh, pantry volunteers offer invitations to Wednesday night dinners to facilitate further outreach um, to Bible study, uh, church attendance, etc. A number of responders have felt God's love uh, and joined the, uh, our Bible studies, have been reassured of their salvation and led to the Lord, baptized and joined Myrtle Grove Baptist Church. And then she says, our purpose is to glorify God, not by only feeding the hungry, but by filling the God void in all of us, even our volunteers. Amen to that. And that's what's been happening in 2022, if you haven't been paying attention. Then, what about missions and outreach? Well, I consider Sunday school an outreach. 150 in average attendance this year. That's a little bit up from last year. Hispanic church, 20 in average attendance. Praise God for that. And they're meeting over there today. And uh, monthly, vol- uh, monthly outreach is 63 volunteers. This is our, our once a month Sunday afternoon outreach that we've been going out. 63 volunteers altogether. 849 homes that have been adopted and, and visited. 4,994 total prayers. Now, the, the software that we have keeps up with every, every time... One of our lights prays for members of the community, a home in the community. And so it's keeping up with it. So when you've been praying, it's been keeping a track of that for us. So praise God, we are able to see that. 37 shares, what that means is the gospel was shared in its entirety 37 times just since we started in October. 37 times we've had the opportunity through our outreach to share the gospel with people in our community. That's wonderful. The McGuire State Missions Offering, we, we gave $1,762 to that. The Annie Armstrong North American Missions Offering, we gave $5,531.24 to the North American Mission Board. The Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. By the way, all these offerings, 100% of these gifts go directly to our missionaries on the field. They don't even charge an administrative fee. They, the 100% of these offerings go to missions. Okay? So just so we, we, we have that clear. And our Lottie Moon Christmas offering, whenever I was gathering, tallying all these numbers, getting them brought to me by all, everybody who was so gracious to provide them to me, uh, we were still collecting for our Lottie Moon Christmas offering, but we have a $10,000 goal for that. I don't know how, where we are on that goal. Uh, somebody might could tell us. The uh, total unrestricted gifts. And listen, I know that on Wednesday nights we've been reporting a budget shortfall and all that stuff, but what I want you to understand is... You are a giving church. You give to the glory of God and for the sake of the kingdom. And, and you give graciously. 700,000, I can't even say that number. Somebody say it for me. $746,120.32 as of midweek this past week. Amen. That's what, that's what you're doing. That's what you're doing. And so we're, we're so thankful how God is using us, using Myrtle Grove Baptist Church. And I, I present all of these numbers to you. And listen, this isn't exhaustive because we do so much more. We got nursery. Woo, praise God for nursery. 
Uh, we need nursery, and we need more nursery workers. If you Listen, if you're not saying hallelujah and clapping right now, that's because you don't have a nursery kid. <clears throat> but I promise you that if we didn't have nursery, you would want it desperately. So, so we thank God and we praise God for all the things that God is doing. And, and, and here's the thing. When we have that unity of purpose, we'll do even greater things than these. We'll do even greater things than these. Jesus said that he told his disciples, he said, look, we brought them all back together in Galilee. He told them that they were going to go out and do greater works. Ezekiel 11, verse 19, the Lord said, In that prophecy, I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. And so he wants us to be of one heart and of one soul headed toward that same goal. And when we're all headed to that same goal, we will have unity. We will have unity among us. Emilio Ferrier, a UC Davis psychology professor, conducted a series of studies. By the way, it was funded by the National Science Society. And they did a study on couples in relationship. They put them in a room, and they, what they found out is that these, because of the monitors that they had measuring their heart rates, these couples, when they sat in a room together, their heart rates and their breathing became synchronized. Did you know that? To collect the data, the researchers conducted a series of exercises sitting 32 heterosexual couples. By the way, that's the only legitimate kind of couple. A few feet away from each other in a quiet, calm room. The couples did not speak or touch. The couples... In one of the exercises, we're asked to sit across from each other and mimic each other, but still not speak. And the researchers collected the same results that after just a few minutes, the heartbeat and the respiration rate of those couples became the same. They were synchronized. The researchers also mixed up the data from the couples. And when the two individuals were not from the same couple, like they weren't uh, in love with each other, <laughs> their hearts did not show synchrony. Nor did their breathing closely match. In other words, when they loved each other and they got in the same room, their hearts beat the same, and their respirations were the same. I think that's just so interesting, but doesn't that show what the church should be like when we truly love one another, when we love the Lord Jesus Christ and we fix our eyes on Him, and then we love each other, our neighbor as ourselves, the way that we should, we will have unity. And not only will we have unity, I'm going to tell you secondly, a clear vision produces community. 
And, and when we think about that word community, it's a little bit different than unity because unity is about being together, having one heart and soul. But look at the next part of the line. It says, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. They had everything in common. Sharing, fellowship. The, the Greek word is kinonia. No caste, no cliques in the body of Christ. Amen? It's not that we have our group and y'all have your group, and, but it's that we're all together. Each one is valued, respected, cherished. No one exerts authority over the other. That's community. We share life together. We share each other's laughs. And we share each other's loads. We share each other's joys and sorrows. Paul says it this way in Romans 12. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. The biblical idea of community is that we are a body. Not some monolithic mass. Rather, each one is unique in function and gifting. But all serving the same purpose. And all equally valued. Acts chapter 2 describes the church even further. Luke has already given us this picture. And he says in verse uh, 43. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together. And had all things in common. And what I want you to understand is this isn't communism. Because communism is forced sharing. Because it's the government owning the means of production and owning what is produced as well. And basically redistributing it the way they decide. That's communism. This is biblical community. Is that we willingly, out of a heart of love and compassion, share with those around us. We share a meal together. We share money. We share a kind word and encouragement. We're even going to see about a man named Barnabas. That the apostles gave him that name. His mama named him Joseph. The apostles named him Barnabas. Because that means son of encouragement. Sharing with one another. Are you involved in the community of Myrtle Grove Baptist Church? Are you sharing your life with the family? Did you show up and be here on a Sunday morning? That's good. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing bad about Worship attendance, that's important. But are you a meaningful part of the body? Are you part of the community? Are you getting plugged in? Are you really spending time? Are you investing your life? Make 2023, if you're not invested here, the year that you become fully invested in Myrtle Grove Baptist Church and in the work of the kingdom that's happening here. So a clear vision produces community. A clear vision provides opportunity. Now look at verse 33. And because of the unity of the church and because of their clear vision, this is what was happening, verse 33. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. And so the apostles were setting the example for the rest of the church. And they were giving... Their testimonies, they were sharing their testimonies freely. But in order for them to do that, what was true about the church had to be true. They weren't getting bogged down by trivial matters. 
They were focusing on the message of Jesus. That was the, the, of, of primary importance to the church. Back in Acts 2, again, in verse 42, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. I'm going to say, well, what's important for the church? What should we be doing for 2023? Well, there it is. Devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching. What is that? Well, that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the, the message of Jesus. All that Jesus said and did and accomplished. How Jesus was the one who lived a sinless life. And then he was accused falsely of being a blasphemer and being an insurrectionist. And he was hung on a cross and he died for the sins of mankind. But he proved that he was God and that everything, everything that he said was true on that third day whenever he was raised again to the glory of God. And the tomb was empty and Jesus walked right out of it alive. That message motivated everything that they did. They had their eyes so focused on Jesus that they could see their purpose in the world was to share the message of who He is. It provided that opportunity for them whenever the church was focused on that same message. There's a story involving Yogi Berra. You remember him? The catcher for the New York Yankees? And Hank Aaron, who was the, the chief power hitter for the Milwaukee Braves at that time. The teams were in the World Series and as usual, Yogi was behind the plate with his usual banter, chatter, trying to distract Hank Aaron whenever he stepped up to the plate. And he started making fun of him, and he finally said, Hey, you're holding that bat wrong, Henry. You're supposed to hold it so you can read that trademark. Hank Aaron didn't say anything. But when the next pitch came, he hit it into the left field bleachers. And after rounding the bases, he stood at home plate and he looked right down at Yogi. And he said, I didn't come up here to read. They, they probably both needed to do a little bit more reading, but that's beside the point. The point is... Hank was so focused on what he was there to do that nothing could distract him from that purpose. Where's your focus? How are you focused right now? From coffee to carpets, from budgets to buildings, anything can become a distraction when you put more focus on that than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your own personal matters can become your focus. And yes, those things are important to God, but what is most important and what He wants you to train your eyes to is the cross of Jesus Christ. Will you focus on that cross? Will you focus on what He did for you and me there? Clear vision. 
provides those opportunities. But fourthly, a clear vision prioritizes ministry and says, look, it's so important that we keep the church healthy in order to do what God has called us to do, that we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. And then as we do that, we will see that his eyes are fixed right on his church. Jesus' eyes are fixed on you and me. When you look at him, he's looking at us. He sees us and he sees our needs. So you see the church here and what's happening, they're proclaiming Jesus with great power and great graces upon them all. So their spiritual needs are met. But then look at verse 34. There was not a needy person among them. See, their physical needs were met as well. Well, how does God accomplish that? He accomplishes that through you and me. He uses us to help meet the needs of the body. And so there was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. And laid at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. When we look at the, our brother and our sister around us, and we see them in need, and we turn our blind eye, John says, How can the love of God abide in you? can't in other words that's a rhetorical question so if i know that you need something or you know that i need something it's our responsibility to meet the need it's our responsibility to go the extra mile for a brother or sister paul says let us do good to all and then he says especially to those who are of the household of faith in other words you are in my house you're my brother you're my sister I can't I cannot let you go hungry. I cannot let you go thirsty. I cannot let you go naked. It's my job, my job to reach out to you. But not just that, as we go out with the gospel, what we're going to find out is that hungry people can't hear the gospel. People that need clothing can't pay attention long enough to hear the gospel. People that have, I'm looking over there at Brother Rondell, people that have a tree poking through their roof can't hear the gospel. They need ministry. They need us to be the hands and feet of Christ. You know, that's why Jesus, before He shared the gospel, He went out proclaiming, He would touch that blind man and give him his sight back. And He would touch that lame man and He would get up and walk. And then He would... Go to those that were having uh, sickness and illness and He would heal them all. And then they would listen. And then He would say to them, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And that's what we do. Ministry paves the way for the gospel message. And listen, we've done great in 2022, but God is calling new and, and more people for the ministry and the work of Myrtle Grove Baptist Church for this year. He's telling you to strengthen your hands and strengthen your back and strengthen your feet to go and serve for the kingdom of God. It's, it's not a preacher that's asking. It's the Holy Spirit that's prompting. 
within a one mile radius, a total population of a one mile radius of our church. That is walking distance, folks. Total population is 8,197 people. If we just reached a fraction of them, we would double our church. And remember, numbers are important to God. The area is considered very diverse. It means that our church should reflect that. And I believe it does. The diversity of our church poises us to reach our community. The largest generation is the millennial generation, 1982 to 2004. Most of you probably didn't realize that. 18 to 40-year-olds. And if we're going to do a good job, our church is going to get younger and younger. We're going to see more and more young people. And by the way, that means that we need older folks to be that example to them and show them what it means to serve and love Christ. So no one is neglected. There's 1,599 children enrolled in school, pre-K through 12th grade, within one mile of this church. Don't tell me there aren't young people here and that this is an older community and it's dying. That's nonsense. There's nearly 200 births per year within a one-mile radius of where we stand right here. We have done very well in 2022. But by His Spirit, we can do even better in 2023. We can reach this community if we all have a clear vision for what God wants us to do. I want to tell you, lastly, as we look at Barnabas, a clear vision prompts responsibility. Look at verse 36 and following. Thus Joseph... So looking at the example of all of those in the church, Joseph, who was called, Bar, uh, called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him, and he brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, this Joseph is really important. He's going to become a major player later on because Barnabas, his name was called, Barnabas was a man that was from Cyprus, and he was going, he's going to be sent to Antioch where he's going to encounter people who are Hellenist. And Cyprus was a Hellenistic place, and he was from there. So he wasn't from Jerusalem like the rest of the guys. So he had a unique perspective on these people that were from all around that world, that Mediterranean world. And he had a unique relationship with those people. And then God uses him in a mighty way whenever Paul steps on the scene because he stands up with Paul, with the apostles, and says, Hey, listen, I watched Paul get saved. I know that he's truly saved. And so he is this son of encouragement. We need a few more Barnabases. We need sons and daughters of encouragement. But no one had to tell Barnabas that he needed to give. It was his heart to do so. The church didn't need a, a stewardship campaign to say, hey, you need to give, or a, a pledge Sunday, or a capital fundraiser. Barnabas was prompted by the Holy Spirit and the clear example of the others around him to give freely to the needs of the church. It was all about his responsibility. So here's the thing. When Jesus has your heart fully, 
and your eyes are focused and fixed on Him, He'll have your pocketbook, your checkbook. He'll have your budget. Not just that, He'll have your time and your talents and your energy. He'll have it all. If He's got your focus, He'll have it all. About 350 years ago, my math is right. A shipload of pilgrims landed on the northeast coast of America. The first year they established a town site. The next year they elected a town government. The third year the town government planned to build a road five miles westward into the wilderness. In the fourth year the people tried to impeach their own town government. Because they thought it was a waste of public funds to build a road five miles westward into the wilderness. Who needed to go there anyway? Here were people who had the vision to see 3,000 miles of ocean crossed. Overcome great hardships to get there. But in just a few years, they were not able to even see five miles out of town. They had lost their pioneering vision. They had lost the clear vision that they set out with. But with a clear vision, we can become in Christ who we were meant to be. And no ocean of difficulty will be too great for us. Without it, we'll rarely move beyond these walls. Bob Logan said, vision, this is how he defined it, is the capacity to create a compelling picture of the desired state of affairs that it inspires people to respond. That which is desirable, which could be, should be, that which is attainable. You know, the Lord Jesus has that, has that power to put within you a vision that will inspire you. Put within you the vision of that which is desirable and that which is attainable. He goes on to say a godly vision is right for the times, right for the church and right for the people. A godly vision promotes faith rather than fear. A godly vision motivates people to action. A godly vision requires risk taking. A godly vision glorifies God and not people. Will you join us? In 2023, join us in the vision for Myrtle Grove Baptist Church. And some of you say, well, you've talked a lot about vision, but you haven't really clearly defined it. Well, here we, here we go. There's a clearly defined vision to build God's kingdom. Listen, through the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're building God's kingdom in the Myrtle Grove community, one heart at a time. One heart at a time. You can't do it all, and I can't do it all. But together, we can do all that God has called us to do. Are you with me, church? Now, some of you, you're sitting here today and you kind of feel like an outsider and you feel like this vision stuff is for them and not me. And what I want to tell you right now is that God does have a vision for your life that He wants you to see. And not just for your life here on this earth, but for eternity. To a place where you can't see, which is coming. And each and every one of us will step into eternity one day.
We draw our final breath here on this earth. And He wants you to be ready for that. He wants you to see what He sees about you. He knows that you're a sinner. You just need to be willing to admit it and say to God, I know I'm a sinner. He knows that. But He loves you enough that He didn't choose to leave you that way. He chose to send His one and only Son to die for you. And He died on that cross to pay the debt for your sin. And now He's alive. He was raised again on the third day. He proved that He's God and that He has power to save. And He's saying to you, I'll save you if you'll put your trust in Me. So will you do that? He'll set you on a new course for the rest of your life. Put your faith in Him. If you want to do that, I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Just pray this prayer with me. It's a simple prayer. Just pray it in your heart, right where you are. Say, Lord Jesus, I admit to you that I am a sinner. I've done things that are wrong and I've failed to do that which I know is right. But Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and that you were raised again on the third day and that you are alive and that you are Lord of all. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. Make me a new person. Give me a vision for living. And I'll spend 2023 serving you. And I'll spend the rest of my life loving you and serving you. Thank you for my salvation. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with us? We're going to sing our last hymn. This is our invitation. This is your invitation for you to come, present yourself, and say, I'm trusting in Jesus today. I prayed that prayer. I meant it with all my heart. And we will welcome you. We will celebrate with you. We have resources to give you. We'll offer to you believers baptism. And we will welcome you into the family of faith at Myrtle Grove Baptist Church. If you need prayer, our altar counselors will be coming. They're going to be here at the front. And they'll welcome you here and pray with you. And if you are joining this church, you know that the Lord has called you to join here. You're a believer, but you're not a part of the family of faith here. You're not covenanted together with us. You come. This is your invitation as well. Let us sing together.